I really don't, you don't need this, right? Y'all can hear me anyway. How, can y'all hear me in the back? No problem. And I know this is for all of the th- all the folks online. If you're watching online, we, we say God bless you. We love you. We appreciate you. We know we have some that are daily listeners or weekly listeners, and they've been with us. I've, I've noticed that we've been on there so long now, they're called milestone followers. Milestones. So y'all run the miles. Amen. I want to just say a little bit something about what Brother Peter said. You know, I... I uh, Some of the most blessed services I've ever been in my life felt the Holy Ghost of God was in Rock of Ages Prison Ministry Revivals. When I was in West Virginia, I ran into a man by the name of Michael Blake, he and his wife Michelle, and uh, they would come to our place, stay in our prophet's chamber, and now he started a church uh, near Welch, West Virginia, which definitely needed a church, very rough area in the coal mines of West Virginia. And uh, they're there doing a great job, but he was with Rock of Ages for a, a good while. And I, look, I didn't know anything about it. He said, look, you need to go with me. So I got cleared, went to, took all the things I needed to do. And man, I started going. And I'm telling you all right now, they took me to that women's prison in Alderson. They like to preach me to death. I'm just going to tell you all right now, I ain't never been in a service. I'm telling you right now, I mean, they like to preach me to death. And I mean... It was an encouraging service. Ladies got saved. And then, here's what's crazy. I think they preached me to death. I had a heart attack. So I had to go to the heart. I had to go to cardiologist. I was having some issues going on. And I mean, I'm young. I had to go to the cardiologist. And I had to have a stress test done. And lo and behold, we walk in that waiting room. And one of them dear ladies that was in prison was there. There she was in her orange jumpsuit. She was chained. She was chained. I walked in. And so as soon as I walked in that waiting room, she's like, well, hello, preacher. And that's how she greeted me at the door. So everybody in that cardiologist was probably going, what in the world? And, uh, but I'm just telling you, had some of the greatest, greatest meetings. And then went up to uh, Pocahontas County, preached a couple of facilities up there. Man, just had a great time. So I, as he was talking about that, uh, I tell you right now, it's a great encouragement to be a part of that. And uh, it is. I've seen a lot, of, a lot of men saved. And they really, they... You know, they're on their back in there. And so, uh, look, we need to reach them. And so uh, it's a great opportunity. And I appreciate the Peters being so faithful. I'm excited. Also thankful his excitement, what the Lord's had him to do. So I agree, uh, preachers, I, when he thought of when he said that. Um, there's, there's, we need laborers. The harvest is plenteous, but we need to pray there for the Lord. The harvest is sent forth laborers. And so... Let's be much in that. I'm going to talk to you a few minutes before we start. We're going to look in Philippians chapter 2 and uh, going to share a thought out of there. But before we do, I want to talk to you just a minute. It's the beginning of the year and uh, a couple of things. Um, first of all, I want to let all the teenagers, parents to know, and teens, we're going to have a meeting with you a little bit later on this month. Uh, Brother Edgy, uh, they have some things that they want to talk to you about. And I've uh, been encouraged. Our team group has gotten up a little bit. We're thankful for that. I mean, as Brother Peter said, COVID really just took a, took a toll on a lot of things. And we're starting to see some better numbers in that. We're thankful for that. A lot of our teenagers are riding on our buses. And we're thanking God for that. But we know we have some parents here with teenagers. We want you to meet a little bit later on this month. And uh, we'll give you the date on that. But it will be a Sunday evening. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Also, I want to say, um, if um, 
I'm talking to Brother Chris. We always try to do a video in January, kind of recap our old year and look forward to the new year. And, and they're going to be working on that. But what I'm going to ask you to do this week, if you would, if you have a vid or some pics of something of a ministry here or of a special event, why don't you get that to Brother Chris? I'm even going to throw Miss Christina's in there. I don't think she'll mind. Uh, send that to them on Facebook, uh, vid or pic. Get with them on that would be the best way. But he said Facebook would be the best, and they can just pull that right off and do the video. So if you have pics or vids of some special event this year, please send that to them, and they'll get a video up, and we'll have that done this year. Uh, we're getting the banners made. Uh, we'll have a new theme, and we'll launch all of that here. I didn't want to do it today anyway because, as you can see, I knew a lot of people were going to be traveling, a lot of folks out. And so we'll do that a little bit later on in the month so we have a good crowd here. We'll kind of launch all of that coming up. And we do. We want to see some exciting things take place this year. Now, with that being said, I want to just throw out a little something, and we'll talk about it more. But Brother Edgy and I had talked some time back. I know our church knows we've been getting a little bit more involved with Sand Mountain Bible Camp. I mean, here is a piece of property that is close to our church, uh, facilities, and obviously uh, through the years, uh, they're always trying to update and improve things. Brother Edgy and Miss Edgy, they live now on the campus up there of Sand Mountain Bible Camp. It's a great facility. It's a great piece of property. I know through the years, there's been some great camps. There's been great preaching, and we've kind of gotten a little bit more involved with that. We've tried to take up some money for them to help update some things. The lodge needs some work. I know it's it's had a lot of work done. This is just a Nice place with a lot of history, and we want to continue to be a part of that. And so, Brother Edgy and I have been talking. I think it would be great if we had a junior-slash-teen camp up there this year. Now, I'm going to be talking to you about it, but this is what's really going to have to take. is uh, They've got some staff up there at the camp, but I'm going to ask you if anybody in our church, especially if you have children, you'd like to take a week off or take some time, because really, this would be something that we would want to get behind, get excited about. They're going to need workers, and we're going to need some help. And so if you would be willing to, we'll talk about it, we'll give you the time, we'll give you the week. Uh, this would be something you'd be willing to take some time off to be a help. I know it will be a blessing. We'd like to start out with our church. Uh, we'll set an age on that. But would it be a split camp? It will be junior age children, also teen children, all right? And so, you know, if we get 40 children, 40 young people the first year, that would be great. And so I'm going to ask for your cooperation. And if you have children, this will be a great week to get them involved in. It's going to be a great week. So we're going to talk about it some more. But what I'm going to ask you to do is pray about if God would allow you to take the time to be a part to work it. Now, growing up, I grew up in a church that we had a children's camp. We had a family camp and we had a children's camp every year. And I've never forgotten as a boy growing up in a church that got really excited about the children's camp. I can remember on that Sunday, the Sunday of children's camp, our whole church would get involved. After that, we would load everything up, get it all going, and then we would even have our services up there uh, for the night service. And we really, the church was really involved in that. It was something that all of the families got their children involved in. And so this is what we would like to see happen here. We have a great facility up there. Of course, I know it will expand. <clears throat> you know, there's always things to improve there. But this would be just a good week to get our children away, some teens away. It'd be a great week. Plus, I know many of you said, what do we do for the children? Well, we, our biggest event every year is Vacation Bible School. I mean, here's an event that the children could get involved in. 
and uh, it'll be a great time. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about it, and, uh, but I want you to just throw it out there a little bit today because when we give you the date and things, really, if this thing is going to be successful, and even if we can do it, it's going to require our church to get behind it. Some folks will be willing to take some time off, and let's just work it. And I know it will be a great, great opportunity. Something new, something I want you to pray about, something that I'd like to see happen. And who knows what can spark from this, but I want you to be praying about it, all right? And so you do that, uh, and I know that would be helpful. Don't forget the pictures and the vids. Get them to the uh, Edwards's, and that would be helpful. And we'll have this video here very, very, very soon, all right? I know we got some pics and vids of the, of the Christmas parade anyway. we got to play some of that. That's always a good time. All right, Philippians chapter 2. How many of y'all love the Bible? Amen. Well, I'm going to tell you, the book of Philippians is probably one of the, you know, all of it's good, all of it's great, all of it's wonderful. But man, I've been in the book of Philippians a lot here in the last six months. And I want to just bring a message here. I thought about being the first Sunday of the year. And what better could we speak on than just simply this, the name above every name. The name above every name. Let's look at Ephesians, or Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 5 with me. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Philippians 2 verse 5. Let's look at verse 5. Here's what the Bible says. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I want to stop right there just for a moment because I want to go back to verse number five. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here's the mind that he's talking about. The mind in which we are being instructed here to let this mind be in you. It is verses number seven through verse number eight. Talking about the humbling of God, the very God of heaven, humbled himself. And, and becoming a servant, being obedient, even the death of the cross. This is the mind in which the Lord is wanting us to be. Now here's the question, are we? Do we have this mind? Do we know who we are? Do we know what we should be? In other words, are we humbling ourselves? Do we have this mind? You know, we're all selfish. We all think we should get ours, including me, but... Here the Bible tells us, let this mind be in you. It's a humbled mind. It's a mind of service. It's a mind. Actually, you could go up to verse 4. Look what the Bible says in verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Here's the mind that God's talking about here that let this mind be in you. Do you have this mind? If you're allowing the Holy Spirit to control your life, you're going to have this mind. By the way, we're always in conflict. And by the way, I'm in conflict because, you know, I've lived my whole life to try to give it to serve others. And the Christian life is that. It's to give ourselves to others. Verse 4 says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. The Lord Jesus Christ came here for others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's speaking of this mind of Christ that is a service, that is being a servant, that is humbling ourselves. You know, our church will be a whole lot better this year if all of us will have this mind. There'll be no church splits. And by the way, there's been no church splits since I've been here. And by the way, by God's grace, there won't ever will be one. 
Why? Because we're going to keep the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ, we're thinking of others. We're not just thinking of ourselves. We're humbling ourselves like the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said He came, became obedient even the death of the cross. Let this mind be in you. If I stop preaching right there, that's enough for us to chew on the rest of the day. Let this mind be in you. What kind of mind? This mind that Christ had, a humbled mind, a serving mind. A mind that is looking upon others instead of us. In other words, there's no selfishness there. We find, let this mind be in you. But then, in verse 8, or verse 9, he tells us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he, he describes that mind, what that looks like. But look in verse 9. Because the Lord Jesus Christ had this mind, and he came in the form of God, though it not rather to be equal with God. In other words, he became, he was completely God, yet he was completely man. And the Bible said that he made himself of no reputation, in verse 7, he took upon the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And he was being found fashioned as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to death. And because he had this mind, notice what the Bible says, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now look, we live in a day and a culture where people are jockeying for position. They're jockeying for position. In other words, they're trying to root people out. They're trying to always make a name for themselves. But here the Bible tells us that if we'll have this mind, listen here, you won't have to jockey for position. God will exalt you. God will do that. I've told women this all my life or since I've been in the ministry. You know women have the most power. They have power. But so many people in this day, they're trying to jockey for position. But do you know that ladies have probably the most power in the world because your hands and heart you're on the generation to come. If you ask today what children the greatest influence in their life, it's their mothers. Do you understand that if you're a woman, not only that you're not a mother, you have influence in children's lives. Do you know how much power you have? You don't have to jockey position for nothing. Just be who God wants you to be and be humble and let Him. And I'll tell you right now, you'll see your life be fruitful in the lives of the people you touch. Mm -hmm. See, we live in this day that everybody's trying to jockey for position. Well, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to exalt myself. But here the Bible tells us that if we'll let this mind be in us, He says, I will highly, He said, I highly exalted Jesus Christ. Why? Because He had this mind. So I want to just say, the Bible tells us here that at the name of Jesus, and I want to just preach a little while this morning, at the the name above every name, oh, I'm telling you right now, isn't that a beautiful name, Jesus Christ? The name above every name. Now listen, if I gave you a check today, and I kept it blank, but I signed my name on it, I just want y'all to know something, that check ain't really going to be worth a whole lot. Y'all understand that? But if I gave you that same check and signed it, or it was for it was a blank check, and then I signed it, Bill Gates. I want y'all to know something. That check just took on a whole other level. 
So someone might say, well, what's in a name? There's a lot in a name. Names are important. Can I say names do mean something? Your name means something. Can I say, when we think about names, when you hear the name of Moses, what do you think? You think of the man that was the lawgiver. God gave him the law. He's the man that seen the glory, the hinder parts of, of God's glory. And the Bible said when he came in off the mountain, his face showed shine. Why? Because he's seen the hinder part. By the way, he wouldn't have lived if he'd seen it all. God had to hide him in the cleft of the rock. But when I hear the name Moses, I think of leader. I think of lawgiver. Hey, when I think of the boy, when I think of the name David, I think of a lot about the name David. I think of a little shepherd boy that was anointed king. But not only was just a shepherd boy that was anointed king, I think of the great giant slayer. Listen, names mean a lot. When I think of Henry Ford, when I hear Henry Ford's name, I think of the automobile industry. Amen? Think of this, when you hear the name D.L. Moody, what do you think? I mean, my soul, I think of a shoe salesman that led him to the Lord. But then I think of millions of people that were saved under D.L. Ministry. D.L. Moody, I mean, what a name, D.L. Moody, what a name. Think of this, this is a very unique name. When I hear the name C.H. Spurgeon, I mean, just the name. That's a name that is very unique. But when I think of that, I think of the Metropolitan Tabernacle. I think of the Prince of Preachers. Listen, when we hear a name, it means something. What does it mean when someone hears your name? Our name means something. The Bible tells us that the good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. So we think about this name. So let us so live that our names would never be repulsive to our lives or to our families or to our God. But today I want to present to you the greatest name that's ever graced heaven. The noblest name ever spoken upon this earth. The name that is spoken by every tongue, by every tribe, by every race. Can I say, uh, it's it's been the greatest name that's ever been listed by babies' mouths and praised in the great affairs of men. It has been whispered in the hours of death. It's the blessed, wonderful name of Jesus. A name above every name. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear that name, I go all the way back to when I was a little boy. I was raised in church. I was raised to go to church. And by the way, I didn't have a choice. My parents made me go. My mother specifically. My father's not feeling well today, but my mother's here. And I'm going to tell you all right now, there wasn't no ifs, ands, or buts that I got up on Sunday and tried to play con artists with my mom. It didn't matter. I was going to be in church. And as a boy, I didn't always like that. But now as a man, I thank God for it. But I can remember growing up and my mother had these little sayings all of the time and I can remember waking up and seeing my mom down on her hands and knees or leaning up against a chair in the mornings. I'd wake up, I'd see her pray and she always ended that prayer in Jesus' name. I can remember many nights at night I would get scared or whatever. But mom had this little thing that she did with us, at least with me, I'm sure she did it with Kim. But it was every night before I went to bed, my mother would come into my bedroom and she would always say, Mommy loves you. Daddy loves you, but Jesus loves you most of all. Mommy loves you, Daddy loves you, but Jesus loves you most of all. I, I, I heard that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, and I really didn't think much about it as a boy, but do you know what my mother was doing? She was putting me to bed by the sweetest, greatest name ever. 
You know, I, I know as a boy, I, I know having grandchildren, sometimes they have nightmares, they get scared. And by the way, nightmares and bad dreams, I think they run all through life. Some people are more prone to have dreams and nightmares. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I remember even as grandchildren, or even when I was a boy, it felt like sometimes I would not have bad dreams just because my mother would send me to bed or get put me to bed with that greatest name above all other names. Can I say that this name is the name of Jesus Christ? Think about that old song. I think of this song. Uh, Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Isn't it? Isn't there just something about that name? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm glad I know that name, I know that that name is the most wonderful name. I know that that name is the most powerful name. I know him. Amen. And yes, there's something about that name. Let me give you a few things here this morning. We might just get out here early today. And all God's people say it. Yeah, I appreciate the few of you. The rest of your line. Y'all going to have that New Year's Day? How many of y'all going to have corned beef and cabbage today? Is that? I think down here it's hog jaw and... Black eyed peas, isn't it? Is that what it is down here? Well, up in West Virginia, let me tell y'all what it is in West Virginia. It's corned beef and cabbage. And here's the thing. My mother did it right. You was only supposed to put like a dime or a quarter in it. My mother puts about 30 bucks in coins. Amen. It's about every spoonful you get a coin. No, not that much. But we had more than a quarter. Y'all do that? Does anybody do that? Well, we do that. Mom, are we doing that today? No, we're not doing that today. So now we're Southerners. We're no more hillbillies. Are we having black-eyed peas today? No. Are we having cabbage? Wow! Amen. Y'all, how many of y'all like cabbage? How many of you don't like cabbage? Well, I'm going to pray for you today. Let me give you a few things about this name. It's the... Name above every name. Number one, let me just say this. His name's a saving name. I mean, that's simple, isn't it? Hey, before Jesus' birth, the angel said to Joseph, thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. The angel already gave his mission. It's about salvation. It's about seeing people saved. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. This I want you to know something this morning. Jesus was a teacher. Yes, Jesus was a preacher. Yes, he was a healer. Yes, he was an example. But primarily, let me tell you what he is. He is a savior. And I don't know about y'all, I'm glad he has saved me. I don't deserve it. I don't really deserve I know I don't deserve it. I'm the vilest of all sinners, but I'm glad that he's a savior. I'm glad that was his mission then. That's his mission now. And his name is the only name that saves. So thankful for that. The Bible says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be washed white as snow. You know, I'm thankful for the prison ministry. Those men in there don't need to be, need to be told they're dirty. They know they're dirty. I want to tell you something right now. One thing I've learned that our flesh and the devil loves to do, he loves to make us think we ain't good enough. And by the way, we aren't good enough. That's why we need a savior. 
And sometimes we get down in this patch. Sometimes we get down so down, we think, man, we're so vile. And we are vile. But I want you to know something. We're not so vile. We're not so bad. We're not so dirty that the Lord Jesus Christ will not clean and save us. I'm telling you, the Bible tells us here, though your sin be a scarlet. Look, my sin's scarlet. I want you to know I'm an old, dirty, wretched sinner. And you know, sometimes people have this idea, boy, we can clean ourselves up. We can put our suits on. We can put our ties on. We can dress up for church. And by the way, I think we should do our best. I understand all of that. But I want you to know something in each one of us. The Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked. Who can know it? But I want to tell you, that's why Jesus came. Though your sin be as scarlet, they should be as white as snow. Hey, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He didn't come to save people that didn't need saved. He came to save the ones that needed saved. And by the way, if you've been born of man and woman, you need saved. You was born a sinner. You've chosen to sin. And I want you to know something. We have a Savior. His name is above every name. I'm thankful. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. Throughout the Bible, the Lord is promising to save all who come to Him. Now look, if you're here this morning, I don't know everybody's heart, but I want you to know something. He is the Savior of the world. The only way to heaven is through Jesus. Someone said sometime, they say, do you think that you're the only one right? No, I think the Bible's right. That's not my philosophy. I don't say to you, I didn't say, for God so loved the world. I didn't come up with that. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God said that. I believe it. I believe that Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost. And I know by experience, he saves us. But I want you to know this morning, if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ, your Savior, I ask you, why not? The Holy Spirit of God, when he convicts, and by the way, the Holy Spirit of God does convict. I'm going to tell you all right now, when I was five years old and I got under conviction of sin, I wasn't some hardened criminal. But I'm going to be honest with you, I knew I had sassed my mama. I knew I had stolen some stuff by then. I knew that I didn't like my sister. Somebody say amen. I'm still asking God to help me with that. That's a joke. She ain't here, but if she's watching online, Kim, I love you. I don't think she's watching online. She's probably at church in West Virginia. But nonetheless, that was a joke. I love you, kid. But at five years old, I'm going to tell you all something right now. I was sitting right back there in that second row. And I was five years old. I'm going to tell you something right now. When that preacher got to preaching that day, I'm going to tell you all right now. I was tuned in, locked in, because there was the Holy Spirit of God. He was working on me. And here's what he said to me. You need that. You need to get saved, Mark. You need to get saved. And there was this emptiness inside of me, but boy, there was this like, just this impression that I couldn't get past. And I mean, I was under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm going to tell you all right now, as soon as that service was over, I went to my mom and I said, Mom, I got to get saved. I need to get saved. I don't want to die and go to hell. And I'm glad I had a mom that knew how to show me how to get saved. She took me home, set me on the couch, and she read John 3, 16 to me, and I'm going to tell you right now, as a five-year-old boy, I trusted Christ as my Savior. I called upon that name above every name, and he saved me. Amen. 
Oh yeah, he's, it's a saving name. It's a saving name. He said he would save us. Throughout the Bible, we know. Then let me say this. Not only he said he would save us, we know he would save us. But here's the other. This is simple. We know that he saved many of us. How many of y'all know you're saved this morning? Would you shout amen? amen. Aren't you glad? Can I ask you a question? If you know you're saved, it's because you called upon that name above every name. You're not saved here today because you got dunked in water. You're not saved here this morning because you go to church. You got saved because the Holy Spirit of God convicted you as a sinner. And by faith, you trusted Christ as your Savior. You didn't get religion. You entered into a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Ain't nothing like it. Can I say it like this? There ain't nobody like him. Oh, yes, he saves. He saved many of us. We have felt the power of the Holy Spirit conviction. How many of y'all felt the power of the Holy Spirit conviction? Y'all know what that is? I'm going to tell y'all, that ain't always fun, is it? But I'm going to tell y'all right now, you better be glad you have it. Because if you're never convicted of sin, and if you've never been convicted and trusted Christ as your Savior, then you better start listening to the Holy Spirit and get saved today. Y'all know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all been saved? Y'all been saved. How many of y'all still know what the conviction of the Holy Spirit is? That ain't always fun, is it? But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm thankful when I get it because you know what? All it does is assure me that I'm one of His. But we know that Spirit of God has convicted us and we know that He leads us to the one that can only save us. We have repented of our sins and we put our trust in Him. And now we have the assurance in the hearts that we are the children of God. I don't deserve it. But see, here's what's beautiful. Because of the name above every name and the Lord Jesus Christ, He has given me assurance that I know that if I die, I'm going to heaven because I have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a haughtiness. It's not an arrogance because I know who I am. I don't deserve to be saved. But I thank God there was a God in heaven that loved me, that humbled himself enough to come and become a propitiation for my sins. And he provided my salvation. All I had to do was receive it. I don't have a haughtiness about it. I don't have an arrogance about it. I'm thankful for it. But I have a confidence in it. There's a difference between being arrogant and being confident. I'm confident in God's Word. I'm confident in His promises. But I'm not confident to think that I deserve heaven. I know He loved me enough to provide salvation for me so I am worthy enough to go to heaven. So I know He's a saved of many of us. We know that Christ has saved us and Satan can never get us. You hear me? Satan can never get the the child of God. He can never get the child of God. We're saved and secure what? Forever. We enter into a relationship with him. So think about that. I know there's times that uh, children of God, Satan often sometimes comes around us and our flesh will come around us and we often will doubt our salvation, but we ought to nail it down. It's not our salvation to keep or to have. He's given it to us. It's his promise. So we know that Christ has saved us and Satan can never get us. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. I'm thankful for that. How can you account for such people? I mean, think about this. I mentioned his name a moment ago. How can you account for D.L. Moody? How can you account for C.H. Spurgeon? How can you account for Billy Sunday? I mean, when we hear these names, how can you account for Lee Robertson? 
A little old ordinary man up in the suburbs of Louisville, Kentucky. Lost, his whole family lost. He was invited to church and went to church. And a little old Sunday school teacher kept asking, are you saved, are you saved? And he never did. And finally one day he got saved. And, and, and this little lady, uh, Daisy Halls, I can still remember her name. Daisy Halls, I've heard it so much. Daisy Halls, what's in a name? How do you count? Then think about Kimball. He was the shoe salesman that uh, led D.L. Moody to the Lord. Could you imagine Mr. Kimball never knew what he had there in front of him when he led D.L. Moody to the Lord. Over a million people got saved. How do you account for them? I'm going to tell you how you account for these men. There was a God in heaven that saved them. There was a God in heaven that changed their lives. There was a God in heaven that put his power on them. There was a God in heaven that had a relationship with these men. And it's what made their names great because his name was greater. How can you account? We know, we know, we know that Jesus Christ is a saving name because we know that he saved us. We know that he saved others. You can't account for these wonderful men of God and women of God throughout history without the power of God on their life. Can I say, and I'll probably close this morning. His name is definitely a saving name, but can I just say this morning, we know this is simple, but we know his name is a comforting name. I want you to think about it. As I spoke in testimony as a boy, I didn't think a whole lot about it as a boy, but boy, I've thought about it a lot since I've been an adult. My mother put something in my life as a child every night by saying, Mommy loves you, Daddy loves you, but Jesus loves you most of all. I, I can't help but think of uh, Pastor Altizer. I worked with him for seven and a half years at Greystone in Lewisburg, West Virginia. And his son was very ill, really at the moment of death. And it was uh, very serious. He had meningitis. He had a bout with meningitis. And the doctor said, look, if you have anybody that prays, you better get to praying. Because he said, your, your son is extremely ill. And he said, I left my son and my wife that day for a short while. He said there was a preacher's meeting. And he said, I knew that I could go there and get a hold of some men. And we could get around an old altar and pray. And he said, I got around some of them old men from the mountains. And he said, I told him, he said, I was so burdened about my son. He said, I've come here for one purpose. I've asked you men to pray for my boy. The doctor says that he might not make it. And he even told us as a doctor said, if you know anybody that can get a hold of God, you better get a hold of God. He said, I'm here today because he said, I just want you men to pray for my boy. And he said, man, I, we all gathered around. And that's Kevin, by the way. We all know who Kevin is. Kevin Altizer was sick and almost at death. He had a bout with meningitis. And uh, he said, please pray for my boy. And he said, all of us preachers gathered around that altar. He said, we just started praying. But he said, here was the thing. Here was the thing that brought comfort. Every prayer was, oh, Jesus, save him. Oh, Jesus, touch his life. Oh, Jesus, pray. He said, it was the name of Jesus that comforted me. And he said, those men started to pray. And he said, the more they prayed, the better I felt about it. That was before cell phones. And he says, so I hurried back. And he said, when I got back to the hospital, he said, I got in there. He said, my boy was setting up and playing in the pen. And he said, I looked over at my wife. And he said, about what time did his fever break? And she said, oh, it was about two and a half hours ago. And he said, I looked at my watch. And he said, that's when all of us and us men was around that altar praying. He said, and God touched my son. Hey, listen, I want you to know we're all going to face some dark days this year. I'm going to be honest with you. We've all faced some dark ones the last few years, haven't we? Some really dark. 
But in our valley of tears and in our valley of sadness, there's one name. There's one person, isn't there? When everything seems dark, he can bring light, can he? He can bring comfort, can he? And I want to encourage you this year. I'm not going to say to you that we're not going to have some rough days. We're not going to have some dark valleys. We're not going to have some dark nights. Because the Bible tells us that we're a few days and full of trouble. But I want you to know something. I'm glad that we have a light in the darkness. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful his name is a comfort in a time of sorrow. Aren't you? Think about it. All of us have our Black Fridays. All of us have walked down the valley of tears and sadness. Where do we find comfort in that moment of sadness? We find it in Him. We all like to be around people, and we all have resources in people. We have friends, we have family, we have people that can encourage us and help us. But do you know there are times in our lives that not one person on this earth can help us? There's times. You know they're there. You know you're loved. You know there's people there. But there are times there's not a soul you want to talk to. Sometimes our darkness is so deep. Sometimes it's so dark. It's sometimes so heavy that we don't even want to voice it to a friend or a family member. I'm glad in those moments we can voice it to him. And there are times that there are family members, there are friends that are not reachable. They are not able to be getting a hold. We're not able to get a hold of them. But I want you to know something. In the darkest of your night, you never have trouble getting a hold of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a comfort for us in our times of sadness. There's no doubt about it. Think about it. What about them two sisters? I'm going to close. What about them two sisters, Mary and Martha, when their brother died? Notice who they called for. For some reason, they said, oh, our brother's died. We've got to get Jesus here. They had in their mind that the Lord Jesus Christ was going to do something and bring something there. They didn't know it was a dark day for them. They were obviously troubled, and they knew that Lazarus was dead. But they said, oh, sin for Jesus. And in their mind, they just felt, they just knew that somehow the Lord was going to bring something. And by the way, he brought something more than they ever dreamed. Can I just say, his name is a comforting name. Yes, his name is a comfort in a time of sorrow. But I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to close. His name is a comfort in a time of when we're dying. You know what I've learned? God's people die well. I want to leave you with this thought. God's people have died well. I'm not trying to be morbid, but being in the ministry, that was one of the things I wasn't prepared for. I'm not trying to be morbid here, and I know we have children here, but I've never seen a dead person. But in the ministry, you're going to see a lot. And I'll never forget the very first one I ever walked in on. And I walked in that room, and I knew that that person was gone. By the way, I've been in the bedroom when people have passed and I'm going to tell you something right now. I have not been, and I've been dozens. I have, I have never been at the bedside of a saved woman or man that they've not died well. You know how most of them went? They've been singing. 
I want to recount this with you quickly. I, I know I've shared it before, but you know Chuck and and uh, Chuck and Philip's mother, Miss Pearson, she passed, and I've given you that story before. He had called me and said, look, the doctor just came in, told my mother she has hours to live. I, I hurry up and get down to Erlanger Hospital. And I'm going to be honest with you, I really didn't know her very well. I knew she was saved because I remember the day Philip got saved. She had come here and she, she grabbed me by the arm. She grabbed me by the arm. I was going down the, uh, down the aisle and she grabbed me. She's like, Pastor Brandon, do you know why I'm here today? She said, my son's here today. She said, I'm praying he's going to get saved today. And guess what he did? He walked down the aisle and got saved that day. Boy, Miss Pearson, I didn't know her well, but Chuck called me and said, hey, my mom is in the hospital, the doctor, pastor, and man, I headed down there, and I'm telling you, you walk in a room like that, and you've just been told you have hours to live, what do you expect? I mean, what do you expect when you walk in a room? So I'm trying to prepare myself, all right, now I'm being encouraged, but this woman just been given news, and I walk in there, and I, I'm telling you straight up, that lady was laying in that bed, and she had the biggest smile, she looked at me, she says, now pastor... She said, the, the doctors just come in here and told me that I just have a few hours to go. And she says, all is well. That ain't normal. And y'all know what? Then we started singing, amazing grace. And boy, Miss Pearson, boy, she was just sitting there singing it. I no longer got to Tiftonia from Erlanger Hospital, I no longer got off this exit. Chuck called me and he said, Mama's gone. I want to tell you all something right now. This name above every name, help you die. You're right. But I'm going to tell you all this. I was in the bedside of Mr. Rife when he passed away. I'm going to be honest, we were singing. I mean, we were singing. Miss Rife was sitting beside him. We've been, and there we was. We were singing. And I know Asaph had done lowered the staff. Half the, the flag, half mass in heaven for me leading all that singing. We are singing. What a day that will be. And I, I'm being honest with you. The nurse comes in. And Miss Rife's holding his hand as she walks in there and she says, she looked over Miss Rife. She says, honey, he's gone. She said, he's gone. I said, yeah, he's gone. I'm going to tell you all right now. Perfect peace. I want y'all to know something. God's people die well. You know why they die well? Because that name above every name makes a difference. But I'll close with this. One time, I was in the bedside of a man that died lost. I'm going to tell you all this right now. The word that I have to describe that scene is one. Horror. Horror. It was horror. I walked in that room, and I'm going to tell you something right now. There was no peace in that room. Those family members, there was no controlling them. There was no peace to be found in that room because they knew that that man died lost. Now, I'm not trying to scare you this morning. But I'm going to tell you all something right now. I've learned this in my 26 years of ministry. God's people die well. You know why they die well? Because this name comforts us in that time. I believe he gives dying grace. And it's all because of this name that's above every name. Amen. Amen. Can I ask y'all questions this morning? Y'all glad you know him? Amen. Amen. Yes. Isn't his name sweet? <clears throat> yes. 
Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name, isn't there? Aren't you so very thankful? And I'm going to tell you something right now. If you know him, you have peace. If you don't know him, you don't know peace. But I'm going to tell you right now, this morning, you can get to know him. You say, Pastor, how do I get to know him? You meet him by faith. If you'll come forward this morning, I'll tell you what. We'll have someone take the Bible and they'll show you from this old wonderful book. They won't tell you what they think. They'll tell you what God knows. And you can be saved today. You can meet Jesus Christ today as your personal Savior. If the Holy Spirit of God is convicting you, don't tarry. Just say yes to him. You come on down. We'll have someone take the Bible and show you how to be saved. If you're saved here today, can I ask you a question? How many of you glad you are? Then you know what we need to be doing? We need to be telling everybody... We need to be spreading this name above every name to every person we come in contact with this year. They need, uh, Georgia needs Jesus, amen? amen? Absolutely, especially after last night. Somebody say amen. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, everybody needs Jesus. And if you have him, we ought to spread it, amen? I'm going to do something this morning. Would you stand to your feet? If you're, not, if you're not saved, come, please, come. We'll have someone take the Bible, share it, and be saved. But can I ask our church family, and we have about all church family here, I'm going to ask, how many of y'all would let's just pray in the new year? Can we get around an old-fashioned altar, and how about we just come down and pray this morning? And how about let's just pray the new year? Let's ask God to do something special. Let's ask God to help us to reach the lost. Let's just pray this year in at an old-fashioned altar. Are you able to do that? If you're not able to do that, make your pew an altar. But let's end today in prayer. Why don't you come? They're going, she's going to play something. Why don't some of you are able? Come on around this altar. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's ask God to bless the ministries of our church. Bless our lives. Let's ask God to help to propagate this name above every name. Let's pray for the Peters, their ministry, the Rock of Ages, that God would bless their ministry this year. There's just something about that name. If you're here this morning, you do not know Jesus Christ, your Savior, I ask you, come. We'll show you from the Bible how to be saved. for laborers. Hey, we can do better around here. There's always needs in a church. There's always needs. There's always needs that people can feel. There's always something to be done. There's a service for every church member. There's something for every church member to do. No doubt about it.
close in prayer here in just a moment. I want to say quickly, uh, you know, we've had a good year uh, this past year. The Lord has sent us some new families and some young families. We appreciate that. But let's be much in prayer about that. And let's just ask God to help us reach who he'd want us to reach. And, uh, you know, uh, we're always excited who God brings our way. But let's be much in prayer about that. Amen. Brother Jim Beeler, would you ask God's blessing? Yeah.